Welcome to Encounter. We want nothing more than to help you find and follow Jesus. If you're a college student in Central Illinois, join us Monday nights, ISU's campus. We'd love to see you there. Good evening, y'all. How we doing? Hey, it's good to see y'all. Hey, I am... Um, I preach every so often here. I typically do announcements, so you see me here on stage. But it's Ben's birthday tonight, so happy birthday to Ben. He hates me for doing this. Um, but my birthday present to him is that I'm teaching tonight. It's really not, but, you know, it's fine. Um, hey, we are, we are like four, how many, I don't even know how many ever weeks into the semester, right? It seems like just yesterday that y'all were arriving on the campus and it was just an all, just a crazy, just, yeah, rush to get you unpacked and in and find your classes and meet people on the quad and go to welcome make and all these things. And fall retreat is this weekend. To me, yeah, super pumped. Again, one last plug, please. I would love to see you there. Ask any of us if you have any questions on how to get there. Um, we want to make sure it happens. But to me, fall retreat uh, kind of signifies a little turning point of, um, of, of the semester, right? So I feel like, for me personally, when I, you know, when I know Welcome Week's coming, when I know y'all are getting back to campus, I take, I take a, few, a few weeks there, and I try to just like settle in and ask the Lord, what do you want of me this semester, right? Where should my heart be focused in? Where should my time, my energy, and my mind be focused in this semester? And y'all, I, I don't know about you, but like if I give myself even like 30 minutes to myself, I can like be mad productive in that. I could be like, all right, Lord, I'm feeling it. I have a 10-point list. We're gonna, this semester's gonna be the best one of the year. I'm gonna be the best dad in the world. I'm gonna be the best coworker. I'm, just, I'm gonna be in the word every day. I'm gonna have a really healthy prayer life, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then we are now a month in, and have I done any of those things? don't think so. Um, and that's what happens. Like, I think just the natural flow and rhythms of life um, takes us to, to places where we don't necessarily mean to end up. Does that make sense? It doesn't mean I'm a bad father. I hope I'm not a bad father or a bad coworker or a bad campus minister or any of those things. It's just, I, I, I have not, um, yeah, I've, I'm not the place exactly where I want to be. Uh, I'm a photographer, okay, I, I, do, I do photo and video stuff, and, uh, and every so often, we need to check in on our gear a little bit, right, because sometimes gear acts a little funky, uh, it's not doing the things that we need to do, and there's a thing called recalibration, you know this probably if you work with computer screens or any type of just imaging in general, but there's this thing where like sometimes lenses, even if they might be like a $5,000 lens, and yes, lens costs $5,000 sometimes, after a while, it just, it just it, it isn't performing the way it's supposed to perform. Something's a little off. It's a little hazy. It's a little soft. The focus isn't as sharp. What you need to do is a calibration process to, to make sure that whatever's happening in the lens is lining up with what's happening on the camera body. Right? If I've spent so much time and energy and money into this thing, I've got to make sure that's working right. Right? And so it's, it, it's what should be a simple process to make sure it's all good to go. And at the end, the photo that you're taking or the video shot that you're taking um, comes out the way you want it to come out. So there's this 
calibration process sometimes that needs to happen with our life, right? We're take a step back and be like, okay, these last four weeks of school, has it been the last four weeks that I want? Has it been the first four weeks that I had intended for myself? It hasn't. So what does it look like to calibrate our life? God does that in our lives sometimes if we allow him the space and the energy to do that. Uh, tonight I'm going to start off with just a little bit uh, about the story of Jonah. And so uh, I found this really dope painting um, by Albert Pinkham Ryder. It's in the Smithsonian um, American Art Museum. And this is his interpretation of the, of the uh, story of Jonah. And I am not going to go into that because this, this can be interpreted in a billion different ways. But I'm just going to tell you a little bit about the story and maybe and, and kind of what God did in Jonah's heart. And I think we've, you know, a lot of us in this room have probably heard this story in Sunday school or in a small group in some capacity. But if you haven't, I really want to challenge you to go and read this. I think it's one of the coolest stories in the Old Testament. It's only four chapters, y'all. It's mad short. And so um, it's easy to get to, easy to understand. And I think there's some good lessons that we can be learned from it. But Jonah is a prophet uh, and during um, the reign of, um, of, he, was, he was after Elijah, but before Amos and Hosea, which if that means anything to you, amen. If not, that's okay. But basically, um, he's the only prophet in the Old Testament that God told flat out to go to a Gentile city and preach to them, okay? So not only that, God told Jonah that he needed to go to the people of Nineveh, and these were the Assyrians, and they were people that were like extremely cruel uh, to the Israelites, to Israel. They caused a lot of problems in the past, and Nineveh was 800 miles away, right? And so that's, that's far in like airplane, car, train time today. That's like leagues away um, for Jonah. So Jonah's like, no, it's not going to happen. Not only do I not want to do that, I don't want to travel that far, but I also don't want to go to these haters and tell them about the good news. Like, I just don't want to do it. But then, so he, so he runs away, and, and he's like, peace, I'm out. And he tries, and he tries to, and he jumps on a boat, and he's like, I'm going to run away from this calling. Um, I'm just going gonna, gonna, gonna to do whatever I can to get away from it. And so he's on this boat, and they get stuck in this big storm. And Jonah knows the whole time the storm is because of his disobedience to God. But the, but the sailors that he's on with, they don't know that. And so they're like, what's going on? This, this is crazy, whatever. And he tells them, he's like, yeah, I'll flat out. This, this is my fault. You can throw me overboard if you want. And so they do. <laughs> And it's kind of funny because they throw him overboard, but they also like kind of shout out a prayer. They're, these are not believers. These are not Israelites. They don't know, they don't know the God Jehovah, but they still like pray, God, if you're real, if this is your storm, like forgive us because we got to do this. So they tossed him out and he got tossed out and he got eaten by a big fish and he was in the belly of a big fish for three days. And it was during that time that he did some like serious, authentic gut crying out to the Lord. And, um, and the Lord saved him in that. Um, and after that, he did, he did go to, this, to the city of Nineveh, and he, and he told them about, about their, his God, and basically was like, hey, if you don't turn away, or if you don't turn away from your sin, um, God's going to destroy the city. And, um, and they did, and the whole city um, was converted, and the whole city repented, um, including the king. And so there's this, like, beautiful, incredible miracle, y'all. And I just said that in very, very plain, matter-of-fact words, but I, I want us to try to comprehend the magnitude of the miracle that this Gentile city completely 
had their lives changed because Jonah begrudgingly went to go tell them about, about Jesus, or about, about God. And so, and so he goes, and, um, and, so, and so Jonah kind of walks away. He's like, all right, did my, did my job, God. Like, go ahead, like, rain your wrath upon them and destroy the city like you said you were going to do. And God's like, no, actually, I'm not going to. Like, I see true repentance in there, and I'm going to save them. And y'all, believe it or not, Jonah was mad. Like, he was sitting there in the desert, pouting. Like, what, what do you mean? Like, you're not, you, like I knew you were going to do this. Just kill me now. Like, I knew, I knew you were going to do this. I knew that you are a God of compassion. Why'd you even send me this, this far away? And he pouted, and the story goes on, and there's a worm and a plant, and, it's, and, <laughs> and God teaches Jonah a lesson there. But I think the bigger theme that we're walking around here is that Jonah needed to be reminded that, um, that the God that he follows, the God that we follow, has a heart for this world. And, and, and if Jonah, a prophet, a man who's supposed to like know God and hear his word directly, if he needed a recalibration in his relationship with the Lord, it is not out of the question to say that me or you need a recalibration in our relationship with the Lord sometimes. You see, God's heart for the world um, and God's, God's heart for its pe- his people um, is seen all over Scripture. Obviously, if you've grown up in the church, you probably know John three sixteen, right? God's love the world that he sent his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life, y'all. And there is, there's a deep message of the gospel there that, that God so loved this world that he is going to give the thing that means the most to him as a sacrifice for you and for me. So we have a way to him. Romans 8 Verses 37 to 39 says, No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, angels nor rulers, nor uh, things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height nor depth, nor anything in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And 1 John 4, 16 says, So we have come to know and to believe that the love of God, um, that the love that God has for us, um, and God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. That's 1 John 4, 16. And so we see all over Scripture that God not only deeply loves us, but he desires for his love to be known to everyone. And y'all, this is, this is something that, um, that I know, right? This is something, I am a, I am a campus minister, I'm a, I'm a father, I've been following Jesus um, since I was 18 years old, I know that God deeply loves me, and I know that God deeply loves the world. But there are many times in my life, because of the natural rhythms that I talked about before, that I need to be reminded, so what are the implications of that? If I, as a follower of Jesus, believe and take, take heart take to heart that truth that God loves me and he loves his world and he desperately wants his world, this world to know his love. What does that mean for me? And that's the question I'm going to ask for us tonight. What does that mean for us as followers of Jesus um, in our everyday life? And tonight we're going to be digging in a little bit to the Great Commission. Y'all, I feel like I've preached 
I have preached uh, out of the Great Commission one billion times in my life, and I absolutely love it. And it is it is a core um, it is a, is a core piece of scripture um, that motivates me like almost like nothing else. Um, and I hope that tonight, as we dig into it a little bit, we are reminded again about the, the heart that God has for His world and His people. Matthew twenty eight eighteen through twenty, and this is out of the ISV version. It says, Then eleven disciples went into Galilee, to the hillside to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, though some had doubts. Then Jesus approached them and told them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, as you go, disciple people in all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded. And remember, I am with you each and every day until the end of the age. And so, y'all, this is, um, this, is, this is the last thing that Jesus leaves with his disciples. He's like, everything I've taught you up until now, um, this is the bow that I'm putting it on. This is the implication of your life your 11, his 11 disciples, this is the implication to their lives of understanding the love that Jesus had for them in this world. And so three things I want to pull out of this tonight as we're looking at this. God's grace and God's mercy are bigger than our sins. If you're a note taker, write that down. God's grace and his mercy are bigger than your sin. I... Um, just want to completely acknowledge just the variety of experience and story and testimony that's represented in this room. I know there are people that have grown up in the church. I know there are people that their first experience with God might be happening tonight or last week or the week before. And there are so many people in between that. I know there are people in this room that might have hard hearts that might have been hurt uh, by people who claim to know Jesus. I know there are people in this room right now that might just be so on fire about the love of Jesus that they can't almost stand it. They don't know what to do with it. And y'all, that is a wide range of, of people to be speaking to. And what I love about, about the word is I think it's applicable to, all, to everyone. You know, we look, in, we look in this and we, we see... Um, we see in verse 17 that, that they worshiped him, though some had doubts. And I love that there is a messiness. There's a little bit of a messiness here that, um, that even, even his disciples at this moment, they're like, man, I thought you were dead. Like, what? what's, what's happening? So these, these are the dudes, like, that, the people who should know him the most are just like, man, what, what's happening here? Jonah a guy who knows God's own heart still, still had some doubts and some anger in that. And so, um, to me, there's some, there's some comfort in that. Y'all, God loves Nineveh even though Nineveh was living in complete rebellion of him. God loves the campuses of ISU, of Wesleyan, of Heartland, even if it, they live in rebellion of him. I can't make that abundant, more abundantly clear. He loves your campus 
just as much as he loved Nineveh. And to me, there, there's, to me, there's comfort there because, because to me, his love isn't based on what we do or what we say or how we're feeling at a certain part. His love is based um, on who he is and, who, and what his character has shown us to be, um, and we can't change that. And so the invitation to you tonight is to rest into that, that as you're walking into the room, I want to wipe away any lies that, ooh, I'm not good enough to be a Christian. I'm not good enough to even, like, think about sharing anything about Jesus with anyone because I did X, Y, Z last weekend. I'm not, uh, you know, I'm, whatever, whatever the lie is that you're holding on to tonight, I want to say to you, God's grace and his love is bigger than that lie. God's grace and his love is bigger than our sins. And we are invited into something bigger um, than what we can even tell ourselves in that. That's the first thing that, that I pull out of here. The second thing is that God's love is greater than our self-interest. God's love is greater than our self-interest. Y'all, Jonah was super comfortable in the life that he was experiencing being a prophet to his own people. Okay? They, they, he, he, was, he was living in God's love for Israel. And in that is not, is not a bad thing. But his, his own interest was not to go 800 miles and tell a city that they were going to be doomed because of the way that they're living um, that was not in the self-interest, y'all. And so there's, there's this, like, <clears throat> there's this reality that we have to realize that our own plans, our own self-interest, our own uh, even desires, uh, God's, God's love um, is, is greater th- than those things. And there's an invitation in that um, as well. Uh, you see, when we, look at, when we look at the scripture in Matthew, Jesus wasn't sending his disciples on some secret mission. Okay? He wasn't saying like, hey, psst, come here. I'm going to tell you something not, to not tell anyone else. Okay? It's not just, it's gonna, he's not saying hey, it's going to rely on the, on the 11 of you um, and let's, let's hope for good things. Like, this, this mission that he was sending them on um, was, was not... Uh, it didn't just rely on these 11. It relies on every single person who calls them a follower of Jesus, y'all. And so, so if you look at this, I think a lot of people kind of look at the word like go. Go make disciples of all nations. Like, and, and, and to go, you have to go somewhere crazy. You have to like go out of your way and, and, and make better plans and do all these things. And I think the, way that, the reason I love the way that it's said here in the ISV is that... Um, the wording of therefore, as you go, disciple people in all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so there's this, there's this understanding that you are living your life in this world that God loves so deeply. So as you are living that life, then go disciple all people of all nations. As you go to class, Disciple people of all nations. As you go to work, as you explore your major, as you meet people on your floor, as you figure out what this whole college life is, is go and share the love that I have for this world with this world. 
You see, all your mission field is here, and, and it's now, and it's on your campuses. It's in your classrooms. It's in your dorm rooms. God's mission is that all nations, all people, everywhere would know the love of God, and that means the people that you are with every day. So here's my question for you. Do your big plans for this year line up with God's love for your campus? Let me ask that again. Do your big plans for this year line up with God's love for your campus, for your community, for where you're living? If you were to sit down and write down your biggest five goals for the year for school, where does where does your campus knowing the love of Jesus fall on it? Y'all, and I don't ask this to make you feel bad. Um, I ask this because most of the time I need to ask myself the same question. That most of the time I need to be asking myself, Phil, where is the gospel taking root every day in your life? With your friends, with your neighbors, with your kids, with your students. Y'all, his love for you and his love for your campus and your, your community and this world is so much greater than our own self-interest. The question is, how are we bringing the freedom of the gospel into the everyday life that we're living? Into the everyday world that God loves deeply. Third thing we pull out of here is that God uses all means to extend his grace. God uses all means to extend his grace. In the story of Jonah, God used a hard-headed preacher that didn't want to listen to him. He used a roaring sea. He used pagan sailors. He used a king who didn't believe in him. He used a plant and a worm and all those things to recalibrate Jonah's life. See, God chooses us to be a part of that narrative in his kingdom. You and me, he trusts to be a part of the extension of his grace. And y'all, there are so many times where I, the fact that God chooses me, a normal dude, to, to extend his grace here on the campuses of Bloomington Normal is crazy to me. Like, there, most of the times, I, 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 uh, I, need, I need to remind myself that I'm capable of this. And here's why. At the end here, at the end here in Matthew, he's, he, there's a promise that he's with me to the end of the age each and every day. And he's with you too. And so, y'all, this isn't the Phil Lopez show. Okay? Thank God it's not the Phil Lopez show. This is the Jesus show. And we get to be a part of it. And we're not alone in it. And, and the second thing that I need to be reminded of is that his, his mission is simple. In verse 20, Jesus says, teach them to obey all that I've commanded you. And so what were Jesus' commands? John 15, 12 said, love God, love your neighbor. Y'all, that's pretty much the theme of this year. Love God, love your neighbor. It's on our merch for a reason. That's it. That is the beginning and the ending of the law that we must follow. And so every human activity, every day of our life is contextually bound to this idea and must be evaluated on whether or not what we are doing is demonstrating the love of God to, to others. Plain and simple. 
Not, is this getting me the best grade? Is this putting me in good standing with my parents? Is this girl going to like me because of that? Am I going to get a, a good job offer at, at the end of college? No. Is what you are doing investing in falling in, under the context of loving God, loving people? That is what matters, y'all. Everything else can fall, can fall under that. And trust me, when we're aligned with that, when you're aligned with this, with, with this commandment of loving God, loving people, all of a sudden the job offer that you get somehow has less control on you than it did before. Somehow the way that you treat your parents is a little softer and a little lighter. Somehow what you worry about in grades and in class and your professor, all of it ends up falling in line. And I think because this is the way that God created us. He created us to love him and to love others. And so this is our highest calling, period. This is the commandment that matters. So if this is our highest calling, the mission of God, if it's to love and to serve one another, this is how the gospel takes root on our campuses and our community. Loving God and loving others. And so if this is, if, if, if this is where, if this is our highest calling at followers of Jesus, um, we are kicking this year off in a way of making it plainly, plain, painfully simple for you to do that in your life. It's something that we believe in. It's something that we're really excited about. And so tonight, I want to give you some opportunities for you to experience what it could look like to love God and love other people this year. And so tonight, I'm going to introduce our mobilization teams to you. And so our mobilization teams, we've put together, and we have some amazing, incredible student leaders that lead them. And the hope for, those, for these teams is that this place here tonight is a launching point, that your small groups are a launching point. My hope for you, my hope for every single pe person in this room is that you come here, that you come to small group, that you are equipped, that you are loved, that you are filled up, so then that we can go and love other people on this campus and in this community. And so here are the four teams that I want to introduce to y'all tonight. The first one is Belong. Yeah! And our Belong team is, uh, is set in order to create this space as hospitable and welcoming as possible. We understand that walking through these doors, that walking through the doors of the campus house, like I mentioned before, we are met with people that are wildly different on all range of the spectrum. And it is welcomed, y'all. I hope this place continues to become more diverse, more different uh, frame of thoughts, more ways that we can challenge each other. I hope this place continues to look more different. Um, and I think, I think as we grow in that space, our Belong team has a great responsibility in helping people understand that they are loved by the creator of this universe. And that can manifest itself in incredible ways through events, through, through, through um, personal connections, through following up. And so if you feel a burden on your heart to help this place become a place that is welcoming, I'd love for you to consider joining the Belong team. Next one I have is our Adore team. And our Adore team is, is mobilizing uh, people in, 
in, uh, in, in musical worship, in prayer, and in the arts, and creative spaces in order for us and our campuses and our communities to approach the throne room of the Lord. There are so many incredible ways that, um, that, that art can, can connect us into something deeper than, what it, than what's happening on the outside. And so those of you in the room who are talented in music or art or photo or prayer um, and, and, and have a deeper love for those things, I um, would love for you to consider joining the Adore team. Our next team is our Engage team. And our engaged team's um, focus is on connecting um, with our campuses. My hope for our, engaged, for our engaged team is that we are meeting and making genuine connections with students who might not ever walk into this room, for whatever reason that may be. Y'all, there are so many spots on campus um, that are dark and lonely and have no hope. I hope for our engaged team on all three of our campuses can find those places and bring, um, and bring the hope of Jesus into those places. If you have a heart for non-believers, y'all, this is a great, great team for you to be a part of. And our last team is our Extend team. And our Extend team uh, creates opportunities for us to walk outside of our campuses and connect with our community. Y'all, you are blessed to live in Bloomington Normal, and I know, and I know it might not seem that way, Trust me, I came here as a student a long time ago not feeling blessed to be in Bloomington Normal. But the Lord's changed my heart in that. The Lord calibrated my heart to be more like his in seeing the needs and the ways that we could serve our community in that. And y'all, when we surrender some of that stuff, we can learn incredible, incredible things. There are places and corners of this community that could spark a passion in your heart and could change the way that your, that your profession, the way that you raise your family, the, what you do for the rest of your life. If you spend all four years on your campus and never leave campus, you're missing out on something God could have bigger for you. If you're, if you're interested in what that could look like, and extending into our communities, that's the team to join. Here's my heart for y'all. I'm gonna give you guys, I'm gonna give you guys an opportunity in a second to sign up for these teams. Here's what it's gonna look like. You have cards underneath, uh, underneath your seat. We have on our student app ways to sign up on that. One of those two, and again, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, give, you, I'm gonna give you options in a second there. I'm gonna give you directions for that. What I want you to be thinking about in the next few minutes is what team could I commit myself to this year? I don't, want to, I don't want to overwhelm you with options. I don't want you to overcommit yourself. I would love for you to pick one or two of these teams and dive in. Because what I think what could happen is God could recalibrate some of the stuff in our lives to be more alongside what he has hopes for us for this year. I'll give you more directions on that in a minute. Super cool after this tonight as well. We're going to have our mobilization teams represented at our campus house. We're going to have leaders stationed there, um, and there's going to be games and food and hanging out. And we want to give you opportunities to go and meet some of those people. Ask them what, why they're passionate about this. What are some of the things they're excited about? Ask them questions. Um, and if that, that might help you figure out which team to commit to this year, that's a good opportunity. That's happening directly after this at our campus house. Please come join us for that little reception right after this. Y'all, incredible things are going to happen this year. 
uh, and the mobilization teams are, are, are a part of it. Again, God's moving in and out of this ministry. Our Monday night worship is one part of that. Our small groups are a part of that. Um, in a few weeks, we're going to launch our mission trips for the year. And we're super excited about what God might do with those. And so I'm going to have you hold tight for a few more weeks. Um, but my hope for that is that's going to give you another way to dive deeper into what the Lord's doing here and through this ministry. I do want to give a quick shout out um, before we do that um, for the long haul. And so some of y'all have been on the long haul before, and I'm not going to go super deep into what this looks like, but I want to give you guys a heads up. Again, there'll be opportunities in a few weeks to, um, to, to sign up for these trips and ask more questions. But we are changing the way we're doing the long haul this year. And so this year, I want to give you guys a fair enough heads up as people have encountered. Just so you know, the normal structure of what this trip's supposed to look like is we, we, uh, it's a spring break service trip. We go to seven different cities over spring break, do different kinds of service. Um, and, and the goal for this trip is to have it be half encounter people and half non-encounter people. This is not a mission trip. It's a service trip. And, and the hope is that as we do different kinds of service, we're creating a space for people to ask questions. For people to, people's walls to be broken down and to see what God does with that. Here's what's changing this year with that. There's only one bus. Okay, we're only taking one bus from, from ISU. And so what that means is that means less encounter people are going to be able to go. What that also means is we're changing the way that we're recruiting in this. We are making it a priority and changing the vision that the 20 people that we choose to come from encounter, we want them to bring somebody along with them. We want them to bring somebody that would never come to a Monday night for whatever reason along with them um, on the trip. And we're going to give preference to applications to those people. So here's the thing. This trip has opened up already to, to, the, general, to the general population of, of campus. If your roommate who doesn't know Jesus signs up for this trip and you put their name on your application, hey, Bobby Jones signed up for the trip. Um, he's my roommate. We're going to give your application strong consideration in going. And so we wanted to tell you that now, ahead of time, and not spring you on that in a few weeks, um, to be talking to your roommates, to be talking to your friends. Y'all, this is the perfect, perfect, perfect way to bring somebody in to what God's doing in your life in a way that's non-threatening, in a way that's not offensive, in a way that God could use you in incredible ways. And so tonight, the, band, the band's going to play some music for a minute, but I want the next minute or two to be, um, to be in the posture of surrender. And I want it to, to uh, I want you all to be thinking about this. As you're signing up for this team, here's what I want us to be praying over. God, what would it look like if every single person in this room chose to accept the reality how much you love us and how much you love our campuses. God, what would it look like? I know that I'm busy and I know that I have tests and I know that I have clinicals and I don't know how it's going to happen, but I really, really want to give of myself this year. Y'all, I believe in this age group of people more than any other age group in this world. And that confidence comes straight from the Lord. And I think he has incredible, incredible things to do with you this year. My prayer for you is that the place that you choose to invest in this year, 
that you are mobilized in a way that's life-changing for you and life-changing for this world. And so as we take the next minute or two to sit in that place of, of surrender, really, to what the Lord wants, and as he guides you to checking whatever box to check or signing up for whatever box on the app, I'm praying that he's going to do incredible things with that. And so let's take the minute to do that. And as you're ready, as you're ready to, uh, to worship, um, I'm going to invite you to, to stand up. Um, when the time comes for Danny to start, uh, I'm going to invite you to, to help this song be a song of surrender. Lord, this year is yours. My time is yours. My energy is yours. Those cards will invite you to drop off at each door before you leave. If you choose to sign up that way, there'll be someone with a basket with those. And so, y'all, tonight's a night of celebration. Tonight's a night of mobilization. God's leading us into something bigger this weekend to continue to talk about our love for our city. And I think the past few, past few weeks, as Ben has been talking about it, God's doing something incredible. And so let tonight be the next step for what God's doing in our hearts in that. Let's worship. Thanks for listening. Find out more about Encounter and ways to get involved at isuencounter.org.